This is podcast number six, Embracing Crisis and Spiritual Initiation. Someone once said, if you don't have a crisis in your life, find one. On the face of it, this sounds pretty bizarre and even counterintuitive, as we typically want to find peace in our lives and not crisis. In reality, the disciple does not go looking for a crisis, but he attracts it to himself via the soul as something he must overcome and transform within himself. Before talking about the esoteric concept of initiation, let's first look at some definitions of crisis borrowed from uh, the freedictionary.com website. One of the three uh, definitions provided is a crucial or decisive point or situation, a turning point, an unstable condition such as a political, social, or economic affairs involving an impending, abrupt, or decisive change, or a story or a point in a story or drama when a conflict reaches its highest tension and must be resolved. For this discussion, we will pay particular attention to the words decisive point or situation, unstable condition, or a conflict that reaches its highest tension and must be resolved. So with crisis after crisis in the disciple's life, did he really learn from the crisis? He will be tested to to sink in the experience and knowledge in consciousness that he learned. The positive result will be a more soul radiance and learned and the learned experience. I've stated that when the individual see, uh, sets himself on a course of completely realigning his personality with the soul, he will then have to purge and transform anything and everything in his consciousness that keeps him from directly knowing the higher mind or divinity in his own nature. In esotericism, we think of the crisis as an opportunity for change and transformation in consciousness. What is being transformed? It's most likely a certain deep-seated underlying thought pattern in consciousness that blocks you, the disciple, from clear seeing and direct knowing. It has been with you all your life and quite possibly for other lifetimes. At this stage... Purification is ongoing, and you are wanting to ultimately become the higher self. At the time of crisis, the initiate becomes or embodies in consciousness the qualities of the spiritual triad in his mind. That is, he embraces the higher aspect of the spirit, which is pure uh, atma. Um, He embraces the consciousness of the intuition, which is your your, uh, booty, Booty energy, which transforms your lower astral emotional reactivity nature to becoming responsive and calm and operating with pure reason. This conscious action contributes toward the actual initiation or expansion of awareness. Note, during the path of liberation and the initiatory process, numerous lifetimes can pass before the initiate, disciple initiate, achieves mastery over the lower planes. So let's talk directly about the path of initiation. The final stage of the spiritual path is the path of initiation. It overlaps the stages of discipleship. But what is initiation of what you are being initiated into? Being initiated into a new understanding and expansion of the true self. 
Any type of growth for the individual can be also applied toward the group, such as an individual corporation or nation. They can also go through this type of initiation process, although they're not necessarily conscious of this dynamic. Initiation is a process of growth in another word for evolution of the self, small s, and integrating with the self, large s, or group. It is fundamentally a paradigm shift in consciousness. The initiate learns that he is the teacher of his own reality. Thus, he becomes self-evolved, and he learns to shift his perception of reality to a new level of insight and understanding. The initiate is one who is in the process of mastering a particular stage of spiritual development. As a result, he is the initiate before the actual initiation. To attain this initiatory status, he will have undergone considerable soul integration, alignment, and at-one-ment, seeing himself as one, as we have seen during the probationary and discipleship phases. This would include strongly containing his emotional astral tendencies, practice humility, and letting go of any mental, mental crystallizations in the mind or consciousness that would inhibit his service work. During this time, his heart has been awakening and consciousness expanding. As a result, he's able to function in a new unfolding realms of light, love, and service. From the soul's and the master's point of view, the first two initiations are considered to be minor, but it, is nevertheless, but it nevertheless represents a milestone for the probationer and disciple in demonstrating control over his lesser astral and mental tendencies. At the third initiation, the initiate demonstrates he has attained 75% soul-infused personality. At that point, the soul is no longer dominant as he's working directly under the guidance of the monad or the pure spirit. He is then consciously affiliated with a particular master or, and or ashram. Before becoming a master of the wisdom, the disciple must pass through four major initiations. The first three initiations relate to overcoming major obstacles such as physical cravings, addictions, and emotional reactivity. This is why the initiations must be taken in physical incarnation as they deal directly with karma and transforming the mental and emotional natures. So let's talk about the, each of the four initiations, starting with the first. Nearing the end of the path of the mystic, the aspirant will begin to yearn for knowledge about the forces and energies that influence him. This will draw him onto the probationary path. After a measure of purification, he'll take the first initiation. The first initiation uh, is known in the esoteric uh, teachings as the birth of the Christ in the cave of the heart. At this time, he's being confronted and demonstrating control of the basic physical cravings and appetites as they run counter to the integration with the soul. These cravings may, may include addictions, drinking, drug use, and cravings of the flesh. These tendencies are mostly related to emotional and lower mental desires felt in the astral body. First initiation is also about opening the heart to service, such as getting out of himself and seeing the need that others need. When complete, it will culminate in 25% soul infusion in the aspirants or the disciples' consciousness and etheric body. Spiritual worker becomes part of the ashram and aids in helping to manifest the plan. 
the plan, as you recalled from the uh, from an earlier podcast, is uh, like a blueprint or God's plan for transforming humanity, basically based on esoteric teachings such as these, which are from the ageless wisdom, from many religions and other spiritual sources. It has to do with personal transformation, as we've been talking about in these six podcasts. So regarding the ashram, the disciple initiate is not considered trusted in the eyes of the ashram until he has attained a measure of purification of his personality and has become harmless. Between the first and second initiations, a higher connection with the soul will most readily happen after a fusion of manas and buddhi, this is from the spiritual triad, of the spiritual triad, and after construction of the antakarana has build, been built. Um, the antakarana, as you recall, is this rainbow bridge consisting of the life thread, the consciousness thread, or intelligence thread, and the creative thread. These all help to make the human being who he is under the influence and direction and guidance of the soul. This fusion will allow the higher spiritual will of the soul to flow and manifest through the disciple and eventually result in initiation. He will begin the path of discipleship or esotericism during this time. We'll talk about the second initiation now. Path of discipleship or esotericism is characterized by a shift from an emotionally focused polarity in the astral body of the personality to a mental focus. Second initiation, called the baptism, is generally said to be the most difficult to accomplish and will most likely take place in more than one lifetime. By the end of the second initiation, the disciple must demonstrate a firm control of his mental, emotional, and physical personality vehicles or bodies. Ageless Wisdom Teachings enumerates six distinct stages of discipleship or levels of attainment that culminate in expansions of consciousness, and these will help to facilitate the disciple's spiritual growth. The spiritual man will seek to allow the soul to have a complete domination over the emotional astral body as the energies of the spiritual triad are strongly felt, ostensibly in through meditation. This is generally the most difficult phase as he has, has certain emotional and mental patterns of desire that need to be completely tamed. This does not mean necessarily to suppress all emotions, rather those lower desires and urges which are destructive to the soul's nature, such as anger and hate, intolerance, or lower sexual drives. The illumined mind will observe and willfully transmute those lower energies or emotions glamours and illusions into aspiration and love. Only the energies of the divine life remain. For the disciple, this will result in a spiritual conditioning and readjustment on the emotional astral plane to bring his consciousness in line with the divine will. As he seeks to quell these lower emotions, the disciple is learning about duality, the right and wrong, use of energy and force. Emotional astral, astral reactive energy is being replaced with dispassion from a connection with the buddhic energies of the spiritual triad. The disciple initiate will invoke pure reason and the intuition as a guidepost in all that he does and thinks. With the lower urges and his nature rapidly dying, 
the soul can use the astral body for its own higher purposes, such as express love and compassion in service. The disciple has a strong desire and impulse to serve humanity at this point. His throat center becomes activated as he is motivated toward creative service in consciously manifesting the plan, subjectively or outwardly, with the master and group members. Service can be in many forms, such as speaking, directing an organization, for example, writing books and articles, etc. He understands that as much as he's drawn to serve, the capacity for grounding and expressing love can also have the effect of accelerating his own spiritual progress. At approximately midway through the second initiation, the disciple must make a decision. Will he continue to be controlled by the lesser selfish will or feel the pull of the monad and embrace the divine will? This represents a major turning point for the disciple. Making the decision to follow the divine will, the disciple is like a boat drawn on a spiritual current towards or current of the soul in the direction and control by the monad. He is then on the threshold of taking the third initiation. At the end of the second initiation, the disciple-initiate is strongly mentally focused, soul-integrated, and has purified approximately 50% of the atomic subplane matter of the threefold nature. When we speak of the subplane matter or atomic subplane matter, we're talking about the making up of his own vibration. These are, remember, the, the cosmic physical plane of which we're all a part here. This is what's being purified. So you're as a disciple, you're pulling yourself from the from the lower matter of the mineral kingdom through the animal vegetable kingdom, and then finally into the human kingdom to become consciously aware. And through all those energies for your mental, emotional, and physical nature, you're purifying your nature with your connection with the soul. And so this strong connection of dominating your emotional reactivity, for example, uh, will ultimately result in purifying your atomic subplane matter. Third initiation. Between the second and third initiation, spiritual evolution is, evolution is sped up. The disciple has stabilized his emotional astral nature to such a degree, and now his focus shifts from an emotional plane to the mental plane. To inculcate the discipline and concentration necessary as preparation for taking the third initiation, he must demonstrate firm control of his mental, emotional, and physical personality bodies or vehicles. The mental focus allows the uh, disciple to use the intuition as a tool for sensing relationships such as with the group, his connection with the higher realms, and how well his lower personality vehicles are integrated with the soul. Thus, the mind of the little self, or concrete mind, conceptual mind, is decentralized into a broader realm of spiritual being. The third initiation is called the transfiguration, as the personality has been completely immersed in the radiance of the monad. This is the first conscious contact with the monad and represents a milestone in spiritual transformation and initiation. Now the soul steps aside as the main source of evolution in favor of the monad who has complete control over the mental, emotional, and physical bodies of the personality. So let's talk about a few characteristics of the third initiation. 
The initiate is no longer controlled from the emotional plane, as we said. He is now firmly acting from the mental plane perspective and begins to be guided by the impulses of the monad. Through a transfiguration in consciousness, the energies of the abstract mind, the spiritual intuition, and the higher will are blended together into a living whole. The soul, the personality, and the monad are one for the first time. This renders the etheric body as now responsive to all thought form activity of the mind. The emotional and mental bodies act as a great reflector of love and intuition and pure reason from the buddhic plane. For the first time, they are represented as responsive to the monadic will and by the extension, by extension of the planetary logos. Planetary logos is basically referring to the highest aspect of the cosmic physical plane, which is the, the entity known as Gaia also in other literature, uh, which is the living Earth entity. The entity Earth is an entity. So at another point of the third initiation, a characteristic is that vision is awakened. The concept of brotherhood and sisterhood is sensed, and he knows that there is no separation of my soul and your soul. He now sees, the, the initiate sees all souls as seen as one soul or one great unity. The concept of separativeness is fully removed from consciousness. The initiate has for the first time a glimpse of the plan and his higher spiritual purpose and with the inner spiritual group. Also with the planetary life and its activities are sensed for the first time. At this initiation, about 75% of the atomic subplane matter of the personality's etheric body and the lower three vehicles has been purified. So let's talk about the fourth initiation. After the third initiation, the soul moves on to final mastery of his integration and complete at-one-ment with the monad. He has learned and grasped the laws of the lower three planes and how to wield them thoroughly within the scheme of human evolution. For countless lives and eons, his soul has served as the chief spiritual entity and intermediary of manifestation between the lower three worlds, the spiritual triad and the monad. At the fourth initiation, the initiate is brought face to face with the monad. Here, the soul and its causal body are absorbed into the monad and disappear as a separate entity. All that is left is the full expression of love, wisdom, and will as directed by the monad through the bridge of light or the antakarana. He is now completely motivated by the will to good. Symbolically, the fourth initiation is described as the crucifixion. Initiation where the initiate symbolically mounts the cross, symbolically, and completely renounces all earthly attachments. At the fourth initiation, all karma in the causal body has been resolved, and therefore the initiate no longer needs to incarnate. During this time, the wisdom contained in the causal body is rapidly being synthesized into the fabric of the initiate's beingness, or beingness of the monad, that is. The wisdom is stored. The wisdom it stores is now part of his divine essence. 
Therefore, 100% of the atomic subplane matter of the personality's etheric body and lower three vehicles has been purified, and the causal body is therefore destroyed. At this last stage, the monad, pure spirit, is now ready to become a master of all the seven planes of the cosmic physical plane. He can now choose to uh, contact the lower worlds in service at will. In retrospect, the initiation process involves working directly with energies, forces, and reconciling the pairs of opposites. Is the monad or the, that's right, the initiate monad now, um, knows who and what he is, and he recognizes all people regardless of who they are as souls, as one. For this reason, each of the major initiations are considered to be a rare event, and lifetimes can pass between each major shift. A shift represents a paradigm shift in consciousness that we discussed before, where the disciple fundamentally transforms an old way of thinking and being into a new way of thinking and expression in consciousness. As much as the initiate clears away any blockages and senses energies from the higher planes, he will expand his consciousness. This process causes the initiate to become an observer as he demonstrates his ability to comprehend and work with the knowledge and energy and force as it interacts in his consciousness. Another perspective, the purpose of the fourth initiation, is to completely renounce the personality's connection with the form nature, such as being in physical incarnation and the cycle of rebirth. Since all karma has been completely purged, the soul, the causal body are destroyed, thus the cycle of rebirth and incarnation is no longer necessary. The fifth initiation leads the initiate to becoming a master of the cosmic physical plane. The master here means that he has a master of all the forces and energies of the 49 planes. His consciousness extends to beyond the Earth's planes of existence. He then moves into functioning within the greater realms of higher evolution. So, in these six podcasts, we've demonstrated how the individual personality grows from a separative and selfish person to somebody who is waking up to his highest spiritual potential. In time, the aspirant who aspires toward higher possibilities learns about how to control his thoughts and emotions and sees himself as a conscious agent of the soul. In so doing, he has embarked on a spiritual path of ultimately changing his consciousness for service of his own evolution and ultimately helping the world. In the next three podcasts, I will be discussing setting up a spiritual practice, This is an ancient teaching going back uh, over 2,000 years to uh, a great Indian mystic named Patanjali, and he talked about in uh, the the books on the um, Yoga Sutras, um, he talks about um, a spiritual practice consisting of meditation, spiritual study, and selfless service. In the first of these three podcasts, I will be focusing on the many elements that make up a good meditation practice.